turn to the book of 1 Peter chapter 1. You know, we sent out a letter this week, it went out in the Four Oaks Weekly as well, that we are going to, it was sort of forecasting what we're going to be doing here for the next five weeks on Sunday mornings. As I said last week, we're going to be start preaching through the Gospel of John towards the, towards the end of March and be in that book for, oh, eternity but, or so. But uh, we, before then, we've got important business to do these next five weeks together. We're diving into this theme of kept. And this is not just a sermon series. In fact, it's a, it's a, it's a season. Let me just take a couple of minutes to explain what, what this is about. And, and guests, if you're here first time, second time, um, you sort of get a front row seat to a family meeting, um, but it's actually a good opportunity, a great opportunity, if you just want to know, hey, what, what are we about here at Four Oaks? Who are we and where do we believe God is leading us in, in the coming season? But you need to know the elders and pastors, we've sort of been huddled up over the last year, praying, considering, discussing what we believe and think God is calling us to run after as a church over these next three to five years. And so as, as God sort of began to give us a direction and clarity and vision around that, um, the elders decided we needed a spokesman, so we arm wrestled, and here I am, okay? Now, I want you to know, I won the arm wrestling. I'm really excited to be communicating about this this morning. Now, let me say a couple of things up front, just, just to sort of be really clear, truth in advertising. There will be a generosity component at the end of this, of this series, a financial component that we will unapologetically ask you to align your hearts and your generosity with this vision. But you need to know something. And I say this um, from, from, from my heart as your pastor. The goal of this, of this season, this series, this kept campaign is not fundamentally financial. This is not a shakedown. This is not a sales pitch. This is not not an Amway seminar, okay, thankfully. No no offense to Amway. But the goal here is much deeper. And let me me tell you why I'm not hyper-concerned, focused on, on the financial piece. It's because our hearts are at what's at stake. See, our hearts always follow our money. So, so if I ask you, why do you give every year $5,000 to Florida State University, right? Because you want what? That fat set of season tickets, right? Okay. Why do you give $10,000 to the Walt Disney World Corporation, right? Why do you do that? So you can take the cruise of a lifetime, right? And there's nothing wrong with those things in the right context, but it does illustrate that we give to those things that capture our hearts, we all give and expend in resource to what we love. But what I really want us to consider, Four Oaks, over these next weeks, what if our hearts were captured by the kingdom of God? What if our hearts were, were captured for a love of eternal things? What, what would happen in the church family for that transaction to transpire? And I don't mean just financially. But I mean our priorities, our time, our families, what we run after, what we commit ourselves to, because Jesus wants all of it. So so, so the financial component is just the window into the heart of what God wants to do in our heart. So let me tell you what we want to do today. I want want to try to answer three things for us as we jumpstart this series, and here they are. Number one, what do we mean by this idea of kept? biblically. What does that even mean? Okay, so we go to God's Word. Where do we see this theme? What's its relevant to, relevance to us? Number two, why did we choose this theme, kept, as the banner of the Four Oaks story? Why do we think kept in, in so many ways encapsulates the work of God's grace in the life of our church? And then thirdly, what claim does this have on us going forward? In other words, what will be different? What do we want to see God do. And we're going to start in Peter. I'm going to read the first five verses. If you don't have a Bible, we'll flash the text up here for you on the screen. Peter's writing, he says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, 
to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Now here's the word. Kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith, for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Please pray with me. Lord, it's it's always a a scary moment to come before you talking about weighty things. Lord, I do not want to be a peddler of your word. Our leaders, our elders, our pastors, we do not want to be people who use the Word of God to leverage for things we want to see happen. Lord, that is, that's not our hearts. Lord, we simply want Your Word, Your truth to speak to our hearts, to shape our priorities, to shape our giving, to shape everything that we do and who we are. So Lord, it's in that spirit that we come before You. I, I'm asking You, Lord, to help me. Lord, guard my lips empower my lips. Lord, I pray that the the family of Four Oaks, even as I'm teaching this morning, Lord, would be praying for me. Lord, I need your help. I need your grace. Lord, I so much want to see your kingdom come here at Four Oaks, Lord, and beyond. Lord, let us be faithful, faithful servants of that. We ask these things in your Son's name. Amen. Peter, as we look at what it means to be kept, that's our first point, Peter uses an interesting metaphor here to describe how you and I were saved. I don't know how much time you think about this. Like, what happened when you were saved? What happened when you placed your faith in Christ? Were you just sort of going along merrily, Life was great, things were awesome, and you thought, hey, I need a little bit of Jesus to brighten up my day. Is that that what happened? No. Peter says, and listen to how he describes this, he said he caused us to be born again. You see, spiritually speaking, this is a little graphic, but I'm going to go with it, we were all born sort of stillborn spiritually. Spiritual cadavers. Um, We... We had assumed room temperature spiritually, no life whatsoever. And God comes along, and the word here literally means breathing life into a lifeless object. God breathed life into your heart, regenerated your heart, caused you. Now, think about this. This is is an amazing thing. Now, the reason if you are a Christian and you have faith in Christ, you had zero pulse spiritually. And God came and he convicted you of your sin. And he showed you your desperate need for grace and forgiveness. He made Christ irresistible to you. He generated faith in your hearts and in your souls. And because God has done this, he has now, he's done this for a reason. He's done this to make us fit to receive what Peter calls, look back at the text in verse 3, an eternal inheritance. And I want you to look at how Peter describes this inheritance. He calls it imperishable, undefiled, unfading. Okay? All, we don't have time to unpack all those words in detail, but, but the idea is incorruptible, not liable to decay. There's actually a military terminology being used here, It means to be unravaged as if by an army. Pure. Now, you know, you guys know I'm a movie buff, and so one of my favorite movies is is the cinematic classic Troy, tongue-in-cheek, all right? I love it because they make Brad Pitt 
seem like a giant of a man as Achilles, but he's really about five feet tall, okay? And we, and we gave him this microphone up here to use later in the service, okay? <laughs> but see, the Achilles and the Greeks were fighting against the Trojans, and the Trojans are doing everything they could to keep the Greeks at bay, to keep them out of the city at all costs. Why? Because that's where the treasures were. That's where their homes were. That's where their families were. That's where their goods and possessions were. And, and right at that moment when it seems that, that, that they, have, they have thwarted the hordes and the barbarians from entering the city, we all know the story, right? The Greeks roll in the Trojan horse. There's men hiding inside. They escape. And then what do they do? They ravage the city. They pillage it. They destroy it. They burn it to the ground. They kill and take slaves and hostages. You see, what Peter is saying in using this term, we have been, we've been given an inheritance. And, and let me say something for us. If, if it's about our ability to keep our inheritance, John MacArthur's always said this, if, if, if you could lose your salvation, guess what? You would. Okay, you would. If it's about our power and our ability to, 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 to hold on to our inheritance, we are about as vulnerable as Troy. Our spiritual lives will be lost and ravaged. And that's why Peter says this inheritance is kept by the power of God. Now, in verse 5, Peter introduces what I think is one of the most glorious words in all of the New Testament. And, and, and I would say so much of what we struggle with as believers in terms of assurance of salvation, guilt, anxiety, depression, let me just say all those things are real, but so much of what ills us are, are things that only God's word and spiritual truth speak to the heart of. And this word is just, oh, Guys, if we could just wrap our minds around it and our hearts around it. Verse 5, look at there. It says, we have been kept. Kept. Your inheritance, you, Peter says, have been kept. The word, interestingly enough, is another military term. Peter is wanting to get, in, get, want to get something across to us. Guys, our call to persevere is a difficult one. It is a hard one. It is one that calls for our active engagement and trust in God. But understand, the reason that we persevere when we persevere is because somebody has been standing guard over your soul. See, the term means to literally and continually watch over and protect. That's the word kept. Ever been to the tomb of the unknown soldier in Arlington National Cemetery? It's, it's, it's quite a thing to go and witness. You know, there's, a, there's an elaborate ceremony, the changing of the guard. There's all this ceremonial pomp. And, and if you want to be one of the ones, the guard, who stands and is part of the ritual and the ceremony of the changing of guard every, every hour, they just don't take volunteers from the National Guard on the weekend. Okay? That's not how they determine that. It's a massively high honor to be part of the, the guard of the tomb of the unknown soldier. Only the elite of the elite. They have to memorize scores of books and take strenuous tests and training and be in peak physical condition. And what happens is there's a whole cadre of, of soldiers that stay down below. And while one of them is marching back and forth for that hour or every half hour, up top, the others are down below studying. They're polishing their weapons. They're getting their uniforms straight. They're, they're, they're accounting for every meticulous detail of their responsibility. And here's what's interesting. Do you know the, the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier is guarded 24 hours a day, 365 days of the year, regardless of weather, regardless of what's going on, regardless of whether the cemetery is open or not? So there's somebody standing guard right now Last night at 3 a.m., somebody was standing guard. Somebody was providing continual watch, even when no one was there. Here's what Peter's telling us, Four Oaks. That's how God treats our inheritance. 
our inheritance is under lock and key. God is standing post over your inheritance and over your heart even when you don't know it. Even when you aren't aware that you need it. We are guarded by the power of God. And look back in the text. Where does it say this happens? Where is your inheritance kept? Heaven. Heaven. Where, by the way, and you can tell Jesus, um, Peter hung out with Jesus there in his earthly ministry, where he says what? Where Jesus says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Why? Moth and rust destroy. That's your soul. If God was not standing guard over it, we have been kept. Now, number two, why do we think, why do I think that kept is an apt metaphor, a theme, a, a, a banner that, that sort of typifies God's work here at Four Oaks Church? You look back at the text in verses one and two. Peter speaks personally to you and me. Christian, you are being kept by God at this very moment. However, I want you to notice something else about the text. See, in verses 1 and 2, Peter makes it clear, this letter is not just written to you and to me. Guess what? It's written to us. See, he, he says he addresses this letter to the, the church the, the, the people of God in the diaspora, those were, those were those Jewish Christians that were scattered all over Asia Minor. They were being persecuted by their countrymen, persecuted by the Romans. There was fear, stress, anxiety. There was, there was terrible um, crisis of conscience of, God, are you going to protect us? God, are you going with us? God, are we going to still be your people? Are we going to be the church of God? And here's what Peter wants to say. I'm not just guarding your your faith personally. Before Oaks, he's guarding our faith. He's guarding our church. We, we've spent a good bit of time this past season as leaders just sort of recounting and remembering the last 27 years of our history as a church family and, and be 27 years this, this Easter. And the fact that we are still a people of God that we are a church of two congregations with, with 1,200 people, we, we believe, and this is not pastoral hyperbole, it's a testimony to God's sustaining grace. We, we have been, we earnestly believe that we have been kept by him. And I want to tell you this story, and some of you who have who've been here a long time know this story, because I think it, it captures the essence of what it means when we say we've been kept by God as a church family. Some of you who are new or have been here in the last year or two, you probably haven't heard it. But even if you had, I want to, I want to share, there's a part of the story you haven't heard before that I want to share publicly for the first time. You know, we were wandering around for about 20 years without a church home, meeting in storefront places, school cafeterias that didn't smell very good, Tupperware warehouses, the whole thing, rented auditoriums, we were at Childs High School, about 700, 800 people. We were, we were growing, but we had an issue, and the issue was this. Leon County said you could only have a lease to be in this high school for, for two years, okay? They had this particular policy about this. And so we knew we had to have a church home to go to, or else we'd just be kind of wandering in perpetuity around Tallahassee like the Israelites in the wilderness, which we did consider um, but it didn't seem viable at that point. Anyway, so we had a contract to purchase another church here in town. And it, it seemed like a seamless move. We're gonna, we are going to be worshiping at Childs, and then God is finally, finally going to give us a home base for ministry in the promised land. We're going to purchase this other church until we found out. I remember literally the morning it happened, a Sunday morning, this other church decided not to sell their building. They it was circumstances beyond their control, and we were sitting there wondering, God, what in the world are you going to do? Because <laughs> you're going to have to do something, because we don't have any other tricks up our sleeve. So we began scouring around. It, was, it would not do to buy a piece of land, 
and build. It would be too long, too expensive, too arduous. It was beyond where we were. We began scouting out properties, and we, we, we got to have our eye on this property, but this property wasn't for sale. So we said, God, would you move in the hearts of the owners of this facility to, to sell this to us? And they did. See, the, the, by God's grace, we had a little stash of money from a previous capital campaign and another failed property deal, but that's a whole other story, okay? That's, I'm serious, you can't make this up. And we were able to purchase this building, but we had a problem. We didn't have any money to renovate it, okay? Unless we, we, you know, we went, it was, I mean, walking into that place, this food lion, I mean, it was like Friday the 13th. I mean, we would have been in folding chairs, you know, in the frozen food section. It was creepy. Um, not a good, not a good, not a good picture, not a good move for children's ministries. Like, no, God, we, we got, we're going to have to do something here. So we launched the capital campaign in the fall of 2008. And I kid you not, you cannot plan these things. As we're launching this campaign, do you remember what was going on in the fall of 2008? The presidential election, the great financial meltdown, the great recession. And so we're, we're like, woo, we're going to raise money to, to, to renovate this building. And then the markets are collapsing here, there, and everywhere. But something was going on behind the scenes that very few people knew about. And I share it with you here, not as a, as a, as a way of making this family the hero of the story. Because they would say, no, no, we're not the hero of the story. God is the hero of the story. But I do have their permission. And this family was in the process, it had been for, for some time, of trying to sell their family business. And this stuff was sort of percolating in the background. And it so happened that as we launched this campaign, as the markets were collapsing and tanking, this family was selling their, their business. And I remember the day I got the call. And it said, this, this, this business sale has closed, and now, I kid you not, $1 million is being wired to the church's account. And you can't make this up. That God, by his grace, and we just saw his hand, and guys, there's, there's 10 stories, just, not just like this, but very similar, okay, and if you, if you look back along the wall and you want to mosey back there after the service is over, we have some testimonies of what God has done by his grace. Guys, we think about leadership crises and financial crises and people issues, and we've just been compelled as leaders to say, God, we don't fully get this, but you have kept us. God, you've kept us. You've kept us personally. But God, you've kept our church family. Hence has been this past year of saying, God, and here it is, what have you kept us for? God, we do not want to be merely a monument to your work in the past. Lord, we want to be a gospel movement of your work now and in the future. And what we want to spend the next five weeks doing is unpacking that for you. And I want to give you a short preview. Our ushers are going to be passing out a booklet to you. And as they're doing that, making their way around and passing these around, we have a video that we want to show you where we believe God is calling us to go. The Four Oaks story is not our story. It's God's story. It's a story of His amazing work. A story of the enduring grace He's given in our nearly three decades of life together. He's rescued souls. He's reconciled relationships and restored marriages. He's healed. He's provided. He's graced. He's sustained. He's made us a family. He's held our church through years of wandering without a home. For two decades, we met in storefront spaces, school cafeterias, Tupperware supply warehouses, and rented auditoriums. But wherever we've been, we would arrive to find that he was already there. He's preserved us through failed property deals, two to be exact. He's borne us through financial hardship, carried us through crisis, 
and held us together through seasons of turbulent change. It's really this simple. We have been kept by God, loved, protected, preserved, sustained, enabled, kept. And He's done this not so that we can simply settle. We believe we've been kept for a cause. We stand at a pivotal point in our story, a point where God has positioned us to dream together, to imagine how we might magnify and multiply our gospel impact in Tallahassee and throughout North Florida. By incomprehensible, unfathomable grace, we have been kept by God, kept to gather, kept to give, and kept to scatter. First, we've been kept to gather. To continue the legacy of wise and strategic stewardship of people and places. God meets us when we gather, so we want to do it often. And God has supplied for us places to gather, places to not only worship, but also to sink roots in our communities. To say, we're here to stay. We're not just passing, we're permanent. We've been kept together so that we might become an enduring gospel presence. We're also kept to give. We're set in our communities as stewards, called to impact where we live as God's agents of renewal, giving away ourselves and our resources to see God's purposes advance, to see the gospel spread, orphans cared for and adopted, to see women in crisis welcomed into homes and loved, and to contend for those who have no voice. Finally, we're kept to scatter to go and to proclaim Jesus to a world that desperately needs to hear the good news of new life and living hope in Him. We want to see new gospel works established, new preachers and evangelists trained, and new salvation stories written through God's work in the gospel. We see a future where God multiplies our footprint and deepens our impact in Tallahassee and North Florida where new congregations are rising in our city and churches are planted around us, where Tallahassee shines brighter because we're here. To accomplish this, we need God. We need Him to order our steps. We need Him to provide for our needs, to refresh us with His power. And we need you. We need you to stand with us and say, we've been kept for a greater cause. I'm in. God has kept us for this moment, this purpose, and we believe he is inviting each of us to unite together, to engage together, to give together, and to experience him together so that his story can be seen and celebrated through the vision of Four Oaks Church. Because you should have gotten a booklet there and you can just open that up to page, to page four for a second. I'm just going to spend our, our last few minutes here highlighting where we're going these next four or five weeks, asking you to pray for specific things. Um, for some reason, they decided to put my picture in here. Okay, we're going to get past that. Lance looks like a Civil War general, don't you think? He is very stately. Um, guys, let me just say something. It's not pastoral hyperbole. I, I, I really mean this as your pastor. A lot of times when we as pastors go to pastor's conferences, those can be miserable places because you hear all the, the horror stories of what's going on in, in other churches. And, and so there, I cannot tell you how, how, how much this is true. So often, guys with a clear conscience cannot say, if I was not the pastor of this church, I would go to this church. Because let me just tell you something, this is our 20th year here for Susan and myself and our family, and never for one second has that ever been the case. Four Oaks is our home. We love this church. We love you. If, if I was not employed by this church, this would be our home. And so as, as your pastor, it is a great privilege to be here as a spokesman on behalf of our team to talk about where we see God pushing us forward over the coming years. Truly mean that. If you turn over to page 7, you can see, 7 and 8, you can see a vision there. And, and Josh loves to call this the BHAG. 
um, which I'll never say again after this, okay? The, the big, hairy, audacious goal, okay? But, guys, we want to see the, 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 the gospel blueprint, the gospel footprint of Four Oaks extend all across the city. We want to see it extend all across this panhandle. Guys, we want to be a vibrant people of God that are seeking to be on mission here locally, regionally, globally. We want to be making an impact in people's lives wherever God has situated us. And, and here is one of my, my goals that you would have when you leave here today. I want you to be able to begin to locate yourself in this vision. So oftentimes vision can be a thing that leaders draw up on a sheet of paper and we just assume somebody else is going to do that. Somebody else is going to go. Somebody else is going to give. Somebody else is going to serve. Somebody else is going to, is going to fill, fill the gaps. I, here's what I want you to do. I, I don't want you to, to make a commitment today. I want you to make a commitment to make a commitment. And that doesn't, and, and if you call Four Oaks your home, if Four Oaks is your, is your family and you are poured into and receive ministry here, consider making a commitment to make a commitment. And I don't just mean financially, that's just part of it. But in terms of your life, your resources, your time, your priorities. And let me just briefly highlight the three things that were mentioned in that video that we want to see God specifically do in this season to unite our hearts around. Okay, if you turn to page... 9 and 10. We're capped together. Because we never realized how strategic it would be to have a home base as a church. For the first 19 years of our existence, either people didn't know about us, or if they did, they thought we were a cult, okay, meeting somewhere, okay? But the fact that God has given us a home and a place to hang our sign and our shingle, I cannot tell you how many people when we, we asked them, how did you find out about Four Oaks? And what do they say? I drove by. I, I saw the sign. I've been driving by for three years. I met a couple this morning after, this, after the first service and said, that was us. This is our first Sunday. That's us. We were just driving by. Or maybe they were here for food truck on, on Wednesday. Or they take their kids to the special needs ministry at Play Big. Or, or, or maybe they shop at the Living Harvest or get their hair cut at Chop Barbershop or by God's grace, one day they get their chicken and biscuits and gravy at Maple Street, right? Okay. Now, it was in the paper, said it's coming at the end of March. So that has to be true if it's in the paper, okay? It was in the paper. Guys, it's a misnomer, though, for those of you who are here to say that we, that we purchased this building in 2009. Well, no, no, what did actually we, we, we do? We started to purchase it, okay? We need to continue to purchase this. We want to eliminate a significant portion of our debt on this building to do what Econ 101 pr- professors call exploit our opportunity costs. Guys, we, we love Bank of the West. They're our bank. But we're tired of sending them money every month, okay? We would rather send that money to gospel partners. We'd rather send that money to, to missions. We'd rather, we'd rather fund staff. We'd rather fund programs. We'd rather serve the least of these in our community. And so a major portion of our goal in this coming season is going to be to reduce significantly the debt on this building so that we can run hard after other ministry priorities. Guys, a lot of people gave incredibly sacrificially for us to be here this morning. And now for those of you who maybe have joined us in the last year, two, three, four, whatever, we want to call you to join us in the joy of of being a part of what God is doing in this way. Flip over to page 13. We're kept together. This one's particularly exciting to me. Guys, it's become sort of vogue as part of generosity initiatives or capital campaigns to have like a major fundraising goal and then sort of tag along a, a humanitarian cause to it. You know, like clean, clean drinking water for Killarn or something like that, okay? Maybe your, hopefully your water is clean. Let me just tell you, this is not fluff, what I'm about to tell you. This is, this is not, you know, so, so oftentimes these initiatives from leadership about how we want to impact our community, they go flat because they're not grounded in what God is already doing. They look good on a sheet of paper, but we think God is generally, I mean, is, is, is clearly generating a grassroots movement among our people to impact the least of these in this city. 
Guys, when I look out over this morning and I see the number of folks here who are involved in a women's pregnancy center, who foster kids, who've adopted, who are guarding ad litems, who, who have hosted single moms into their home, who volunteered at the Pregnancy Health and Information Center, as I see what's represented here, guys, Four Oaks is an amazing place. This didn't come by some grand strategy. It's come by a movement of the Holy Spirit of God. And so what we as leaders have done is said, God, what would happen if we actually got a little strategic about this? What, what would happen if we had a plan? What would happen if we had some initiatives? What would happen if we had some money to, to really pour into these things? God, is this something you could use for, for Oaks truly? And we hear this all the time, and it's so overused, but really make a difference impact lives, God, folks, we, we think God wants to do that. We think he's kept us to give. Third thing I'll mention, we're kept to scatter. Families, let me ask you something. <clears throat> How do you define spiritual success for your family? How do you define spiritual success? I believe one of the central tenets of success in a family is that spiritual success results in spiritual succession. In other words, the gospel is passed down to the next generation. The gospel is passed down to your kids. The gospel is passed down to your posterity. Guys, it is no different for a church family. Guys, we don't want to be a monument to God's faithfulness in the past. We want to be a part of what God is doing right now and into the future. We believe spiritual success is divine by spiritual succession. I want all of us to own this idea that saved people are sent people. Okay. We, we, are, we are not here merely okay, to, I was going to say something else, but wipe each other's noses okay, and play church and do something cool in our comfortable confines up here. No, no, no. Guys, we want to multiply ourselves. We want to, we want to plant churches. We want to raise up our own set of church planters that go and plant churches across the Florida Panhandle region, places like Perry and Thomasville and Pensacola and Jacksonville and everything else in between. Guys, we want to launch a third Four Oaks congregation that Pastor Josh will be leaving to, to start. The timing of that is, is unclear at this point. It all depends on what happens as a result of this campaign. And you may say, Pastor Paul, didn't we just recover from launching our Midtown congregation? The answer is yes. But that's the beauty of it. That's the joy of multiplication is giving ourselves away. And let me just say a couple things about money just to kind of get this on the table before we close today. If you turn over to page 20 for a second. Let me say, Pastor Paul, how is this going to happen how are we going to raise $2 million? Because that's our goal. And by the way, guys, you need to know that there have been some in the church who already privately have stepped forward and said, I want to give to this. We have about $500,000 of, of money that's already been committed by people. $250,000 that's already been given towards this. As sort of, hey, here's the first fruits, the first seeds of what God is doing. We want to, we want to call you to be a part of this as well. So what will, what will happen? Well, there will be a commitment Sunday, and you may say, how is that going to work? Well, basically, we're going to get you all in here, lock the doors, and we're not leaving, okay, at all. Now, you can auction off kids, 10 grand a piece, that's all fine, okay, totally great. No, no, we're not going to do that. There will be a commitment Sunday, March 5th. But here, here we'll talk more about that, but here's what I want you to prayerfully consider right now. There's a little graphic on the screen, and we're going to refer back to this, and it's it's something that we've called the generosity pathway. And there we go. I think we're, there we are, we're flashing it. And guys, it, it runs the gamut. There, you know, there's some of us here who are rare or incidental givers. We don't, never given, or if we don't, if we give, it's not much, it's not regular, whatever. There's some of you who are more consistent in your giving, but not necessarily proportional. You just give consistently. There's others of you who give proportionally, your faithful tithers, your faithful givers. And there's others who are gifted in their giving. They are, they are very generous people. And let me just say something, just to put you at ease. I don't know who in here is where, and I don't want to know, okay? I don't want to know. That's not my business. Okay? 
My business is to call all of us to locate ourselves here and say, what would it look like for me to take the next step in this journey towards generosity? And that's going to look different for every single person. But I will tell you this, you know, pastorally, it's, you, you kind of dread these seasons, but I'll tell you what, when you look back on them, when I look back on when we've done this in the past, it's been some of the most encouraging times in the life of the church. Guys, it is amazing to see someone go from rare to proportional overnight. And that's not everybody, but that's some. It's exciting to see people get a hold of the vision of God. And, and let, me just, let me just say something about my heart for you in all of this. And this is, this is going to sound, you know, cheesy and all that, but, th- but this is, I, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. If it's between someone in here writing a $2 million check, and some of you have offered, and we just have said, no, thank you, okay? We want the whole body to have the joy of giving. If it's between, though, somebody writing a $2 million check versus everyone buying into that vision, I will take the latter every single time, even if it means less money, because it's not about the money. This is not a fundraising campaign for your dollars, Folks, I really believe this is a spiritual campaign for our hearts. Here's what Philippians 4.17 says. This is Paul's heart for them. This is my heart for, for us. Remember, the Philippians had given generously to Paul. And he's writing this letter to thank them. But listen to what he says. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. It's not the gift we're after. We want you to have an encounter, a transaction with God. And as a result of that, we want to see him pour forth his spirit on us and that we can say as a church family in unison, God, we have been kept, but we have been kept for a reason. We have been kept for a purpose. You've heard the quote many, many times, but it's appropriate to close with. Jim Elliott says this, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. See, Peter talks about an imperishable inheritance where moth and rust do not destroy. And Jesus says, lay up those kinds of treasures. Not just your money, but your, your time, your resources, your families, everything that you are. I'm going to close our time by inviting a few families up here to join me, and I'll tell you why in just a second. Rick and Cheryl White, Lori Mulrooney, Yaakov, and Aaron Petcher. They can all join me up here. Um, I've asked these folks to, to pray for us, to pray for you, to pray for our church, to pray for these initiatives, because I think each family has a story that relates to something that we want to see God do here in the coming seasons. Now, we had a little problem with that microphone first service. The, the green light is on. Okay, professionals do not need to be getting involved, okay? As Rick and Cheryl White came to know the Lord through Four Oaks Church some 22, 23 years ago, the, the stewards, Sean and Margaret, reached out to them. They became a part of a Bible study. They became a part of this church family. We say, along with the Holy Spirit, who said this of Paul's ministry in Corinth, there are many in this city who belong to me. Because we really really believe that. And we really believe that by gathering as God's people, we have those kinds of opportunities. We want to see Rick and Cheryl multiplied for the next generation. Um, Lori Marooney is over here, and I told her this first service. I'll say it proudly again. Lori is my hero. Okay? Lori does all the hard things that nobody else is eager to do, okay? Lori is a champion for life. Lori is a champion for ministry to the least of these. Lori, for these past months, has been strategically planning, talking, praying with us about what this initiative would look like. And I'll be honest with you, we don't have any idea. Isn't that awesome? Okay, no. We, we have some ideas, but, but we need God's grace to guide us going forward. And Lori is putting her, 
her resources and intellect to use in that. The Petchers, we think about Cap to Scatter. When we started talking about a new work in Tallahassee, a third congregation, even before we knew who would lead this, Yalkoff and Aaron were like, we'll go. Okay, are you sure? Very. Okay, they're very sure. Okay, good. Because you're going. Um, so, Yalkoff, the Petchers are, are leaders for us here at Four Oaks. He's, Yalkoff is a community group coach. They've said, hey, we, we want to be a part of a new work. And not everyone will, will be a part of a new work. God calls people to all different spheres. But what I've asked them to do is to close our service by praying for each of these initiatives that they represent. So let's go before the Lord in prayer and lift these things up to him. Father, we, we thank you for using Four Oaks Church and the faithful members of this church like John and Margaret Stewart and John and Pam Cooper to bring Cheryl and I to salvation. We thank you for the solid teaching our family has received through Four Oaks to help us to grow in our knowledge and understanding of you. We thank you for the friends you've given us through Four Oaks who have celebrated with us in the good times and helped us through the difficult times of our lives. Father, we have seen Four Oaks grow from a small storefront church with a handful of members to our current multi-site congregation with hundreds of members. But through it all, there have been some constant principles a commitment to biblical teaching, strong fellowship groups, and leaders who are committed to seeking your wisdom and not the wisdom of the world. So, Lord, I want to thank you for the leadership of our church who have gently and confidently helped us walk through the good times and the difficult times. And as we look to the future, we pray for your guidance Continue to show us how you want to use us to minister to the local community of Tallahassee and to the rest of the world through missions and supporting other Bible-preaching churches. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Lord, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for the words that Pastor Paul read to us in First Peter that falls on us in a, in a fresh new way, the idea that we were once spiritual, spiritual cadavers, yet you, you chose us, you breathed new life into us. You caused us to see a need for a Savior, and all of that is for a purpose of being kept with treasure in heaven, Lord. Thank you for this vision that you have given the pastors and elders, that we are kept, that we're kept to gather, to give, and to scatter. Lord, your, your word tells us that we're to declare your glory among the nations and your marvelous deeds among all people, and we see that lived out in Four Oaks in many ways, whether we're as families sitting around the table with our children and, and teaching our children about your word and the things that you've done in our lives or in our community groups when we come together to recount our weeks, to seek encouragement, to be vulnerable and receive encouragement from your word in our community groups or even here this morning as we come together to worship by praising your name and, and, and song, to hear from your word, to give of our tithes and offerings. Lord, we thank you that we have this opportunity to be able to declare the goodness uh, to us Lord, we, we also pray that we'll be able to declare your marvelous deeds to a new part of Tallahassee and to a new part of Florida. We ask that you would go before us, that you would till the soil in the east part of Tallahassee, in the panhandle, and all these places that need to hear the gospel. Lord, would you prepare the works ahead of us that even as plans are being made, that your Holy Spirit would go ahead of us, that you would work in the lives of new leaders, that you would raise up new men to be pastored, to be counseled, to be prepared for the work that lies ahead, that you would continue to have your hand on Pastor Josh to grow him in his ability to shepherd, to preach, to lead, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to be able to serve you, to be part of a big vision, because you are a big God, and we thank you that we get to participate in your family. Heavenly Father, we praise you as the giver and sustainer of all life, Lord. We, you have rescued and redeemed us, and you have adopted us into your family, Lord. And I pray that as we each think of the way that we have been rescued and redeemed, that you would give us hearts that are overflowing, just overflowing to be able to give that back to the community, to share our testimony, to share 
all that we have, Lord. And I thank you so much that over the years that you have given Four Oaks uh, leaders and others in, in this community and this body the vision to support life and family issues, Lord. I just thank you that they um, have continued to uh, focus on that, Lord. And I thank you for all those in our uh, body who are already committed to serving, whether it be um, at a crisis pregnancy center, with the foster care system, with the ado- with adoption system, with the guardian ad litem, with uh, our schools, our special needs uh, ministries, all of that, Lord. I thank you so much because the, the issues are, are great, but the work and the workers are few, but you, Lord, can raise up new volunteers in that area, Lord. And I thank you. I I thank you for those who are working. Um, I lift up a a woman's pregnancy center, the Pregnancy Help and Information Center, the Pregnancy Center of Gaston County, Um, all of those, uh, um, all of those who are helping mothers and fathers who are making life decisions, Lord. And I just um, thank you for all the families who have been foster care families and who have adopted children. And just, Lord, I thank you for um, all that you have done and, and ask that you continue to give us generous hearts in that area, that you raise up more uh, individuals who will give their time and money and resources to, to help the least of these in our community, Lord. And um, I just pray that your will be done in all of that area. And I pray that our church be a church that uh, is able to wrap our arms around those people who are isolated or lonely, abused, neglected, Lord, that we see that, that we see that in our community and that we have the desire to want to just wrap our arms around them and give families to those who do not have family. And I ask um, that your will be done in all of this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. I invite you to stand as I dismiss us. You know, Jude, in his letter, uses this same word, kept. It's appropriate for us as we leave here today, as we think about Peter's words to us. Jude says, now to him who is able to, what? Keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Have a great Lord's Day. You are dismissed.